lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid to fall. Welcome back to Beautiful Shifts podcast today. Thanks so much for being here and joining us and listening. Um, yes. I think you know, we may have some new listeners. We may have some listeners that have been with us before. So thanks so much for just taking the time to chat with us and spend a little time from your day with us. Yes. We, we really appreciate yes, it. Appreciate it. So today we have Terry Lynn Adams with us on for our interview. And, um, I love this conversation with Terry Lynn. It yeah. Was, we covered a lot of things. Yes. She's got <laughs> a lot of transitions that I feel like are like more, I shouldn't say ordinary because every transition is like unique in its own way, but, um, it things that happen, but it's all like all, she went through all within like a 10 year span, yeah. you know, like there <laughs> was awesome. divorce, remarriage, a faith transition, but the bulk of it, we talk about her struggle with fertility and kind of her infertility treatments. And so I think it'll be, yeah, just a good conversation for, it's something we've actually never talked about before was yeah. infertility. I so. enjoyed getting to know her because you went to high school. With yeah. Her. Yeah. I <laughs> grew up with Terry Lynn and she's a great friend and we kind of talk about some of our Yeah. Stories. Your memories together. Yeah. Our random funny. memories a little bit at the first and that was fun to, to chat about. So, but yeah, she's awesome. And yeah, she's, I thought she was really cute. Yeah. She has, we talk about her business kind of being like on a blog and turning into being an influencer yeah, yeah. type of stuff. Um, a faith transition, a divorce. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of did cover a lot of things. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And she's just a really fun person. I think you guys will love her. She's really smart. Um, it's just super fun has, yeah, a lot of interesting life experiences yes. to share. Yeah, so, so fun she's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then our little get to know you or whatever we call what we yeah, do now. Our little <laughs> chat, a little chat, chat beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I currently have my iPad up watching my daughter's, um, the NJCAA. So national junior college athletic, I don't even know what it stands Association for maybe? Yeah. Athletic Association. Soccer national championship. Um, so cool. Well, it's the kind of the bracket right now. So it's their first like pool play. So that's their first game right now. And it's zero, zero with 25 minutes. Um, in the first half. So she yeah. gets in Wichita, Kansas. So my husband and my mother-in-law and my son are all there watching. And then if they, they for sure play today and tomorrow. And then if they win those games, they play Thursday. And if they win that game, they'll play in the national championship Saturday. Awesome. So we're trying to divide and conquer because other, other kids have school. Yeah. We all wanted to be there, but we can't all be there. So I think what we're going to do if they actually make it is the I'll trade my husband's spots. Okay. And yeah. go out and watch them play like, Thursday, Saturday, and he'll come home and take care of our other kids. But yeah. anyway, my, it's my daughter, Whitney. She plays on um, Salt Lake Community College. And yeah, I'm watching it right now. It's, really it's cool. been fun. And it's been a really cool experience. Like I read this thing about the percentage of kids that actually go on and play college sports. And then the amount of like the small percentage that actually get to play in some sort of like know, a tournament. championship yeah. and tournament and yeah. stuff. So it's actually really cool. And mm. I just, yeah, she's loved her team. And we're actually going to have Whitney on soon talk a little bit more about that. We had her on last year talking about the marathon, mm -hmm. but talking about kind of her change from Utah state to Salt Lake community college and her soccer change. And anyway. yeah, just call it transition to college. Yes. I think, yeah, she'll be great. We talked with her. Yeah. About training for the New York city marathon last year, but we, I think she was so new into college. Like now we'll kind of get yeah, it didn't more seem like a transition yet. Yeah. So much, but, we'll get more of that and mm -hmm. which I'm excited. She's awesome. So 
Yeah. Well, super cool. Congrats, Whitney. For yes. Your good luck. Yeah. Your we'll soccer. see how yeah. it goes. We're recording this Monday and we're releasing tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. So cool. Well, I was just going to share. So as I've shared a little bit before I started school, um, about a month ago, I think I'm about a month in. That's gone by fast. I know. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, this is That's my true. fifth it's week. About a month. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm starting okay. week five. So, but I'm in this class called human behavior and I really am enjoying it. It's kind of about like all aspects, you know, it kind of combines psychology with like history and sociology and, um, like culture and just it all kinds of super stuff. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting what kind of goes into making up human behavior. And anyway, the chapter we read last week, one of the chapters that kind of reminded me, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it kind of brought in like human humans in their environment. And we've talked a lot about how we just feel like meaning and beauty. And actually a lot of our guests from being out in nature and like just seeing the beautiful surroundings and how it can be calming. And it just brings you know, like gratitude into our lives and right. good things. So, but the cool thing was, as I was reading this chapter, it's like, there's actual scientific backing, you know, studies that have been done when like, especially like if someone is going through a hard time in their life or maybe their mental health is suffering a little bit, like, are they incorporating, you know, getting outside into their yeah, routines? And so they said like the most, the places that you can go to that have the most positive impact on your mental health is like the mountains, the woodlands and anywhere near water. So like lakes, oceans, you know, but then second best is just like walking around your neighborhood and know, which is so awesome because it makes yeah. it so easy. If you think exactly. it's like such a big chore to try to get to a lake or mm-hmm. to uh, the, mountains. the mountains or something, yeah. you can just go and walk. In yeah. Your yeah. Outside. And I think it's like the combination of, you know, you're seeing trees and you're, it's peaceful, but then also you may run into neighbors or friends or whatever. And so you get that fill of the community. So anyway, I just love when I see like scientific backing for something that, that you love kind of adver- you feel, observed yeah. in your own life. And yeah. So well, I, I feel like a cool. lot of guests have said like when, how you find beauty, it, a lot of times it is in nature. Totally. Yeah. So, or how do you find healing? It is in nature. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, that makes me feel more like that we're all connected in humanity and with the earth and that those yeah. things can help us heal. And it's interesting. It's kind of universal. Like yeah. that's good for everyone. No matter where you Yeah. Go. So it must okay. be something about our biology that, that we just crave that, which mm-hmm. I think they did talk about that. Like think about humans have been out in the natural world for forever. Right. <laughs> we are a little bit more enclosed, a lot more enclosed, probably in indoors than, than, <laughs> than ever in our ancestors. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And yeah, especially going into winter, like I think just trying to make that, like yeah, a priority, priority. <laughs> is hard because it's cold and we don't want to be out. Yeah. At least me. I'm, I know. I was yeah. telling Lindsay that we'll have to go snowshoeing because I've done yeah. that. And I, it's funny. It's the same thing. It's like, oh, it's cold. And I don't want to bundle up and I don't want to have to try to get to a trail. But then whenever I do it, I'm like, why would I do this? More? You're glad. Yeah. yeah Cause right. it's usually after a snowstorm because that's the best time to go snowshoeing. And so then it's just beautiful. Yeah. The leaves or the trees are covered in snow and like fresh, fresh, crisp air. And yeah. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. So anyway. That was just our little chat or beforehand chat. So yeah, we're really excited for you to listen to Terry Lynn's episode. And Terry Lynn, thanks so much for coming on. We loved the chat and yes. we think you guys will love it too. Okay. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we have my friend Terry Lynn Adams with us and Terry Lynn is like a childhood friend of mine. We go way back. Um, and I just put like, have a couple of things, memories that I thought of yesterday as I was thinking about our upcoming interview. So we, we had a, a elementary school class together and Terry Lynn was like so smart and pretty, kind of like the girl that everyone wants to be. I feel like <laughs> it's funny to you like were. hear people's perceptions after the fact. Cause I thought that was right. you <laughs> when you're in sixth grade. No, yeah. I, was like, well, that was I you. definitely 
No, no, no. And I thought it was funny because I remember we had show and tell and her dad brought a horse to show and tell. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And I was like, okay, I can't top that. Like, no one can try anymore. I have for, for no recollection of it. Like, literally not. You don't remember I do that? Not remember. Oh, that's so I know funny. that I had a birthday party with our pony. And, like, we did pony rides. Oh. Like, this was, like, Draper was a small town, you know? It was, like, yeah, my parents still have yeah. horses. It was. But I have no recollection of the horse. Like, that's very pretentious. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's got to be, like, really arranged. Like, the teachers got to be, like, okay, can, is it okay if we bring the horse? Okay, all the kids need to go outside. Our show and tell is outside. Yeah, with the horse. So that's funny. <laughs> I can like picture where it was at Draper Elementary, like on the side. Anyway, I'm pretty sure I'm not just imagining that. You'll have to ask your dad. Yeah, my dad would remember that. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe it was your backyard birthday party, but I swear it was a show and tell and it was at the school. And yeah, I was like, well, I can't just bring my dog now. Like that would be lame. But I think they tied it into like animals and anyway, but it is funny the things that stand out. Like it's funny that you don't remember that, but I do. So obviously right. I was really impressed by your horse. Oh, great. <laughs> the horses I don't yes. ride. Yeah. That's hilarious. That was so funny. Does your so, family still have horses? Mm-hmm. They do. Okay. That's yeah. Awesome. We grew up in Draper and anyway. And yeah. it's funny to think to me, Draper, just because I didn't grow up near here, does not seem like a horse place. But everybody that like grew up here is like, oh, yeah, it was like the middle of nowhere. Everybody had like horses and, mm-hmm. more, and more farmland type stuff. When I moved there, there was literally not a stoplight. Like oh, not wow. a stoplight. And now it's like. How old were you when you moved there? Um, I think I was four. Tiny. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I remember when the first stoplight went up. It was a big deal. Yeah. And we had the little um, like Franks that. Yeah grocery store there was no stores it was just it was small town like you rode right. your well, bike. I grew up in Tooele so it was oh, really yeah, small yeah, town true. too like Stansbury Park Tooele so yeah, yeah I get the small town thing but to me Draper Bridge probably always seemed big because I just because it's lumped it in with like now. Salt Lake yeah the valley yeah. Yeah. right the valley right. yeah <laughs> and it grew so fast once yeah. it grew but yeah so anyway and then we so in Utah we're if you grew up LDS you're in wards and so at that time like in elementary we weren't in the same ward but our wards combined And so we did like young women's together, girls camps together. So I feel like we got to know each other pretty well through all that, even though I was a grade older than you. Um, but, and then our paths crossed, like we both did student government in, in high school. So we had those classes together. So anyway, Terry Lynn's just always been just an awesome person. I look up to thoughtful, like, Oh, one more memory. We can cut this out if you want to, but I remember senior year, you were like, what if the matrix is real? Do you remember? Yes. Like, and I was like, whoa, like you were like oh a gosh. deep thinker <laughs> at a young age. And I'm like, anyway, I remember that's another like random funny that's memory hilarious. I have with you. Yeah. yeah if it's real. I have a yeah. random memory and you cut this out too, if you want, but, um, I Good. don't know if I was going to pick you up in the early morning for something, or if I was picking somebody else oh, yet and you had gotten in a car yes. accident and yes. I was the and one you're the who one that called you. the cops. Yeah. Yes, you oh, were. And you were like bleeding. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was like, yes, it was, it was bad really actually. Bad. Like, oh, I, I remember you said you had a bad car accident. That? Like mm-hmm. senior year, we were going to an early morning student government oh, meeting. That's, that's right. what it was. Yeah. And I think you came upon it because it was raining, mm-hmm. and somehow like I slid and I hit a telephone pole. Yeah. Oh, and wow. I, my head, I don't know, but yeah, I was bleeding. Terry Lynn, that's right. I forgot. You're the one that like called the police and everything, huh? Yeah. Oh, wow, Terry Lynn, you saved me. Yeah. Glad you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for, cause who knows how long I, it was early. It was really I think early it was like, by yourself. It was like before yeah. Six. I was alone. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was before six. Cause I think our meeting was at six and of course I was running late and speeding, but luckily you were, you were there. So yeah. anyway, yeah, we have some <laughs> good memories, random, interesting yeah, <laughs> things that come up, but, um, yeah. So 
from graduating and stuff. Like I feel like we've kept in contact through online and everything. Um, so yeah, we will have, I don't think we've read your bio yet. So yes. let's have that and then we'll get into your story. All right. Um, okay. Terry Lynn Adams grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, and now lives in North Carolina with her husband, Tommy, and their three-year-old son, Thomas. She is pregnant with her second child due in January, 2024, after struggling with infertility. She launched her first blog, an online journal of sorts in 2004 while attending Brigham Young University. She then started a foodie stays fit in 2009 to share her love of fitness and cooking, and grew that website into one of the top resources for running content. Her brand has evolved over the years, and she recently rebranded to TerryLynnAdams.com with a heavier focus on fashion and beauty. Terry Lynn shares realistic fashion finds and outfit inspiration to help make shopping easier. Her style is classic but playful and comfortable. She is also a skincare junkie and loves trying new makeup. So, yeah. Awesome. And I do love Terry Lynn's Rex. Like I bought some pants that she recommended and we laughed cause I was telling her this beforehand and she's like way shorter. I'm really tall, but it still worked. It worked I out. just bought the tall version. So Perfect. anyway, she's got great recommendations. Um, so w- the reason kind of like the primary reason I reached out to Terry Lynn is she has been open about her infertility journey and we've never actually had anyone, um, on about infertility. And that's a huge life transition that a lot of people go through. So yeah, I asked her if she'd be willing to come on and talk about it. And she graciously said yes. So thanks, Terry Lynn. Um, And then there was a couple other life transitions like um, faith transition and just becoming like an influencer that we thought we would touch on as well. So yeah, we're excited to get into your story. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's nice because I actually get asked about the infertility piece, like how I found out a lot and I've never written about it. Um, and like, I've, I've blogged about like my fertility treatments and things like that, but I've never written about like how it all happened. It just feels like really Mm. overwhelming to sit down and write. And so it's nice. I can just like point people to this, be like, go listen. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to talk through. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. Well, we're excited to get into it. So, so yeah, maybe you can just take us back to when you feel like the beginning of kind of your life transitions began. I kind of view like, I kind of feel like there were like three or four main ones. Um, so I went to BYU and, um, I remember like crying when I accepted my, um, offer there because I really didn't want to go there. I wanted to go out of state. I wanted to go somewhere else, but it was just where I got the most money and the best scholarship. And, um, it just made the most sense. And I'm glad I went there because I got a great degree. I, it gave me my job at Goldman Sachs. Like it was a good experience. I graduated in three years so that I could take that job at Goldman. Um, so I was a finance major and I met my now ex-husband the first week I was there, like maybe the first day and at BYU, you know, like, of course, like you just relationships move fast and we got married the next year. And so I was married the, um, basically the entire time I was at BYU. And so then I graduated, I started working at Goldman and I was in Salt Lake, but I also traveled to New York quite a bit, um, for work. And that was really my first experience of like, and this is going to sound so bad, (laughs) but like people who are not Mormon can be really good people. And Mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody ever saying like non-Mormons are bad people. It was more like I felt bad for them. Like they didn't know like right. what we yeah. knew, you know, like, and that yep. was my first experience of like, these are awesome people. Like I like them a lot. I respect them. And, um, I remember like going to parties and like, I wanted to have a glass of wine. And so Goldman was really influential of just like opening my worldview that, because everyone I'd been around for the most part was Mormon and I just didn't have that. Um, so I, 
I worked at Goldman for a couple years and then my husband at the time decided he wanted to go to law school and um, we ended up in North Carolina. That's how I moved to North Carolina. And I really, really didn't want to leave Goldman. I loved my job. I was doing really well there. Um, but we did. We moved here and um, I put him through law school at Wake Forest University. So I got a job at a different bank here. And I was the breadwinner while he was in law school. I did not know a soul when I moved here. And it was really hard. Um, and I... I made good friends, but like the people I ended up spending the most time with were the people I was running with and none of them were Mormon. And so then again, like I started being exposed to people who were not Mormon, were really, really great people, loving people. Like I remember like my first cup of coffee. I remember my first glass of gin, like just like funny things through them. But it was really not that they were trying to be a bad influence, but it was just like exposing my world that I was like, okay, I'm not in Utah. And it just like people ask me like why did you leave the church and I know this is not why you asked me to come on but like it kind of like led to where I am no, now your story yeah. Is, yeah yeah it just didn't feel right like it just didn't mm. and and I was like super Mormon growing up you know like I did all the young women's yeah. things and whatever like get the little necklace award I don't even remember what they're called yeah but, I mean I was yeah. all yeah. in yeah. I was all mm-hmm. in um and like, I was not one of like the Mormons that partied, like that wasn't me. So I no, think people yeah. were very confused, um, when I left and it was, and now I like, there's a lot of information online that leads people to question that wasn't there at the time. Um, I think I left the church in like 2009 is when I stopped going. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a blog this whole time and I started getting like, so I'd started a, a blog in college and I was just like blogging like my life, whatever. Um, and then I started getting traffic cause there, people didn't know what blogs were. There was like no competition. Yeah. yeah. So, and you're a really good writer and yeah, you had a lot of great content even back then. So, thank you. well, I, yeah. I started a foodie stays fit to give it a little more of a focus and make it like slightly more professional. And I was sharing like clothes that I was trying on and that I had went to a coffee shop and I started getting all these comments of like, mm. I can't believe you're doing this. What does the prophet think about this? Like, this is such a bad example. You're saying, like, really mean comments. And oh, wow. I could look up the wow. IP address and be like, they're in Lehigh. It's like, these are people that know me. And I got, like, really mean comments. Um, wow. And if you know me, like, that just, like, inspired me further. I'm like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> like, I'm leaving the church. And yeah. I remember, like, I was serving in the nursery at the time, and people started, like, complaining to the bishop that I was a bad influence on their kid. And I'm like, yes, oh, because oh, I'm wow. handing out – because the, I'm bringing coffee to these three-year-olds. Like, that's – no, this is just <laughs> yeah, your child. Right. Um, yeah. And so just, like, getting, like, that really negative feedback is like, I'm out. Like, I just stopped going. Um, yeah. And it was really uh, a gut influence type thing. Like, there wasn't anything I read – at the time, like now, of course, I've read like probably all the same stuff you've read that it caused me to question and have concerns. But it was really just this gut influence of I'm like, God doesn't care if I drink coffee. Like that was like my thing. I'm like, God does not care mm-hmm. if I drink coffee. And if he doesn't care, then like, is any of this true? Like that, it sounds so yeah. silly, but like that was a really big thing for me. Um, so then I stopped going to church um, and I still went to like random other churches around town and my husband at the time, like it was a, a really big deal for him that I had stopped going to church and 
I remember him telling me like that was a deal breaker in our relationship that if I was not going to be LDS, like he didn't want to be married to me. And, Mm. um, I mean, and it was not a healthy marriage, like on many levels. I put my husband through law school and then he took the bar. Like I didn't want to leave before he took the bar. Um, and then I left, I moved out and I mean, if I had known how hard it was going to be, I I couldn't have done it. It was the worst Mm. thing I've ever gone through. And like, I wanted out, like I was the person leaving. Um, like I can't imagine how hard it is for people who are left and like, who don't want to leave. Like it was horrific. Um, mm. thankfully we did not have kids. We only had right. the dog. Um, but it was not amicable, but it also wasn't like as bad as it could have been, you know? Yeah. Um, so then I, I didn't think I would stay in Winston. Like I, I didn't really like Winston that much, um, especially coming from Salt Lake. Like I didn't realize Salt Lake was a big city until I'd mm-hmm. moved here. And I'm like, where am I? They don't even have a Nordstrom. <laughs> um, and so I just kept working. Um, I dated another guy for a little bit and then, um, I switched banks. I started working at Wells Fargo and I was, I was still blogging. I kind of stopped blogging a little bit during the divorce just cause I was like, I got hate before. Like, I don't need this hate right. now. Um, and people would email and be like, what's going on? I'm like, you psychopath. Like my, <laughs> like, oh, I was yeah, putting like... my life out there, you know, like they were used to having access. Um, yeah. so like that eventually died down. Um, I switched banks and I really wanted to leave Winston. And so I looked at moving either to San Francisco or Charlotte and Wells Fargo said like I could work at either location. And so I'd kind of shifted from like, I was working in finance at Goldman Sachs. And then I was doing finance at BB&T when I first moved here. And then I moved to their marketing department because they were like, oh, this girl has a blog. Like she knows digital marketing and she knows banking. So I helped them start their social media channels at BB&T. Oh, oh wow. Oh, that's cool. And then I got recruited for Wells Fargo to go help run their social media channels. So that's why I moved mm. to Wells Fargo. Um, and it was a great opportunity to get out of Winston. And they said I could move to Charlotte or San Francisco. And I had a, a boxer at the time, my dog. And I was like, I cannot figure out how to live in San Francisco with a big dog. Like I just couldn't afford mm. it. Um, So I made plans to move to Charlotte and I'd been divorced. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how long at this point, like five years. I don't know. But, um, a month before I was planning to move, I finally went out with this guy, Tommy, that my friend had been trying to set me up with for a year. Like he'd been trying to set me up with Tommy for a year and I was dating somebody else at the time. He's like, you're going to marry Tommy. Like just break up with this guy. You're going (laughs) to marry Tommy. And I was like, and he would say this in front of my boyfriend at the time. Um, He was right. But so I still moved to Charlotte and I think it was really, really good for me to be on my own. Like I got married right away at college and I, I mean, I never lived alone literally ever. And Mm -hmm. I'd always done things for other people. Like I graduated fast so that, um, my husband could, uh, just so like we could make money faster, like, cause Mm -hmm. I was going to be the breadwinner. And then I left a really, really good job because he wanted to go to law school. And like, I just felt like I was always doing things for other people. And I'm like, I, this guy's awesome, but I have to do this. And I, it was the best thing I think could have happened for our relationship was that I moved away. Mm. And, and he would say the same thing. Like Tommy's like, I think it's great that we didn't live in the same city for the first, it was like nine, 10 months. So I moved to Charlotte, absolutely hated it. Um, and after nine months, I asked my boss at Wells if I could move back to Winston 
And thankfully she was supportive and she's like, yeah, but don't ask to move again. (laughs) Um, Because in the meantime, like Tommy and I had been meeting in the middle for dinner. Like every Wednesday night we would meet for dinner. It was like a 45 minute drive for each of us. And then um, I would come up to Winston a lot on the weekends. So eventually we got to the point where like, if, if this is going to go somewhere and we're going to figure out like, if this is serious, um, we need to live, live in the same city. And I didn't like Charlotte anyway. He had just started a new job in Winston. So I moved back to Winston We dated for three more years and then we got married. And the fact, like I tell people, like, if you want to understand like what a great person Tommy is, I said for a really long time, I would never, ever, 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 ever get married again. Like I, like I just, I really didn't want to. I was like, this was awful. I don't want to get married. Um, I never want to go through a divorce again. Like I don't want to go have, like, and I meant it. Like, I think people say that I really, really meant it. Um, Tommy's incredible. Like the relationship with him has taught me like, oh, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Um, and so we were 33 when we got married. Um, and we didn't want to have kids right away. So, um, like we were both working, he was building his career. We had talked about like, it would be really great if, I could work for myself because I was still blogging during all this time. Mm. Um, and I was working like 80 hours a week. So I was working 40 to 50 hours for Wells Fargo. And then I was working probably well, sometimes like 60 hours a week. Um, wow. And I was working 20 hours a week on my blog. I would like, I would wow. start, I would wake up at five. I would work, I would run. I would work until like 11 o'clock at night. I worked all weekend, every weekend. And I was wow. also training for the Boston marathon. Like it was just really, really intense. And um, it was because like we decided like, cause I was really, really jealous. He had a super flexible schedule. Like he worked at a, he does commercial real estate and I mean, he works a ton, but he can, if he wanted to like take a Thursday off to go see his family, he could, or like to go golf, he could. And I had spent my whole adult life planning my life around vacation days so that I could see my family and go on vacation. And I hated it. Like I love working. Like I'm probably borderline workaholic, but I want to work when I want to work where I want to work. Like I, I don't like somebody telling me right. like you have to work from this time to this time. And I was traveling a ton. I was going back and forth from Charlotte to San Francisco or Winston to San Francisco multiple times a month. Like I was just fried. And mm. so I was like, if I'm going to work this much, I would rather work for myself. So I made a game plan to like just go blogging full time. And I mean, I was making maybe like $400 a month at the time. Like it was not an option. Livable, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, like I kind of just changed my whole strategy of how I, I made money online. Um, and so like that was one transition. And then, um, it's like, we obviously were not thinking about having kids at the time when I was working that much and he was working crazy hours. And then what year was it? I don't know. 2019. Um, my dog that I had made my life decision around <laughs> got brain cancer oh. and, um, and it was like devastating at the time. Cause like she had been with me through everything. Like she, I got her when I moved out here and like, she'd gone with me through my divorce. Like I always told people like that dog was like the one constant I had mm-hmm. yeah. in my entire twenties. Like, and it's like, she really was. Um, and so we found out that Maisie had brain cancer and then the next week I had an OB appointment and I just told the OB, I'm like, hey, I'm 33. Um, we don't really want to start having kids yet, 
but I know that like infertility is a thing is should I, should I get testing done? Should I freeze eggs? Like, I just don't know anything. And I need to figure out who this person was because she, like, we would not have been able to have kids if she didn't, if she brushed me off and she was like, oh, you're fine. Because I think a lot of doctors do. Like if Especially you're healthy, 33 now. Yeah. They might think, well, you I have plenty of time. time. Yeah. Fine. Yes. Yeah. Like, and I was healthy, like no right. issues. Um, and she's like, you know, I just got out of residency. I don't know a ton about infertility. Um, she's like, I'd rather just send you to get some baseline testing. So she sends me to this baseline testing or sends me to this fertility clinic and it was horrific. <laughs> like, um, like we went in like very cavalier and they're like, well, how long have you been trying? Like, well, we haven't, I'm still on birth control. Like, well, why are you here? I'm like, well, I just want to get some testing to know like where we stand to know, like, do we need to do anything? And they're like, well, we only work with people who are struggling with infertility. I'm like, you won't even test me. Right. That and they're like, crazy. well, we can put you in a research study because you probably have endometriosis. I'm like, why are you saying I have endometriosis? Like, <laughs> I don't have any symptoms of it, like literally none. So then they tried to like force me into the study and they're like, okay, well, how old are you? And I said, 33. And they're like, oh, we see this a lot where women prioritize their career and they regret it. I was like, oh, wow. you oh, don't wow. know. Like judgment. Yeah. You don't know my life. Yeah. You don't know my life at all. Like, yeah. You don't know my life at all. Um, and they said, well, how old was your mom when she had you? And I can't remember. She was like in her 40s or something. She's like, well, did she have other kids? I said, yes. I have five older brothers. She's like, well, why did she have another at that age? And I was oh, like. You're like, well, I'm getting it from well, all over the place. I mean, it was just horrific. Like I wrote That's a letter crazy. to the practice because it was oh, so wow. bad. Like she was, yeah. it was so inappropriate. Um, so finally, I got them to do a blood test. Um, oh. And. So like a week after I found out my dog had gotten brain cancer, like it was sitting, I like still remember where I was. I was in the parking lot of this restaurant called Village Juice, like a salad place. And I was like getting out of my car and she's like, hi, this is so-and-so. Do you have a second to chat? And I'm like, if they're calling me and not messaging me, like something's wrong. So I get back in the car and she's like, I'm really, really sorry to tell you this. She's like, but your levels came back. And if you want to have kids, like you need to take action immediately and you might not be able to at all. And like, it was just like, just so jarring that like, we were so cavalier, like we were laughing. And then somebody's telling me like, you might not be able to have kids. And it really hit me. I'm like, I didn't think I wanted kids like I thought I was fine without them and then somebody tells you you can't like it was mm. awful um yeah. Yeah. so she asked me to come back for additional testing and I said no because it was so bad like she was so awful and I was just like paralyzed I didn't know what to do um so I didn't tell Tommy until we got home I told him that night and like I don't think he really even understood um like what she had told me but Basically, they test it. It's called AMH. It's anti-mullerian hormone. And it's a simple blood test. And it should be a standard test. Like, it's infuriating. Like, it is a blood test. It's not hard. It's not expensive. It's not invasive. Like, it should be a standard test. And anyone listening who doesn't have kids and thinks they want them, like, just ask your doctor for it and push for it. Because mm. I told multiple friends afterwards that didn't have kids. And two of them also had low AMH. Like, it is... a problem and they're not testing for it and if I had known earlier like we would have had more options um mm. so 
it estimates how many eggs you have left. So like you're born with a certain amount of eggs and maybe I was born with none. Like, or, I mean, I have some, you know, like I have, I have kids. Like maybe I was born with a really, really low amount and that's just what it was. They don't know what causes ovarian failure. So I have premature ovarian failure. My AMH, um, so the scale's one to five. If you're in your 20s, you're probably like a four or a five. Um, in your 30s, you're probably high twos, threes, maybe low fours. Um, like 33, I like I should have at least been a three. And mine came back at 0.8. Oh um, and like usually they see menopause at like one and a half. And mm. so mine came back at 0.8. Um, so it was basically like you don't have eggs left and they don't know like how quickly they run out. <laughs> like right. there's just no, like there's no predictability in it and they don't know what causes it. Like it could be, I was just born with a low count, um, trauma can cause it. And that's kind of why I wanted to like give the backstory of like yeah. my divorce because trauma can cause ovarian failure. And like mm-hmm. there were really bad things that happened that like yeah. that could have been trauma triggering it. Um, the stress of how much I was working, like that can trigger it. Um, autoimmune can trigger it. And I have a really, really strong family history of autoimmune. Like every single one of my brothers has an autoimmune disease, um, like pretty severe. And so it's like, they don't know why it happens, but if we wanted kids, like we had to do something immediately. And I knew I wasn't going to go back to that practice. Um, so I switched OBs and I can't even remember how, I think my husband golfed with her husband and he just mentioned like, we want to have kids. We're not sure if we can. And he was like, oh, you should talk to Jenny. She specializes in fertility. So I went and saw Jenny. She was an OB, told her the situation. She's like, yeah, you need to do something immediately. She's like, you should go to Carolina Fertility Institute, um, which was a different practice than I'd gone to. And she's like, but they typically have a six month wait list. Let me call the doctor. She was friends with the guy that owned the practice. Like the odds of this happening, like, it's just like, I have a friend who's going there and she's had to wait four months to get in. Um, so she got me in the next week cause she called him. She's like, this is pretty bad. <laughs> like, um, yeah. so he was like, well, sometimes AMH can be wrong. Like let's retest it. And it came back at 0.3. <laughs> like it oh, had gosh. gotten worse and this was oh. just two months. Like it had dropped. So he said, um, he's like, well, your best bet is that we just try to retrieve as many eggs as we can. So they, so it's, people freeze eggs when they're younger a lot of times so that they're healthier or if they're not in a place, like if they're not married, um, they're not in a place to have kids. Like there's various reasons people freeze eggs. We were doing more like preservation, like let's get out mm-hmm. what we can before they're yeah. gone because we don't know when oh, they're gone. Yeah. Um, so then we tested like a month later, my AMH was like the baseline and it was 0.1. So oh. he was like, we don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Like people yeah. usually get like 10 to 20 eggs out. So we we basically started like an IVF cycle, if people are familiar with that, but we didn't do the transfer at the end. So they put me on all these mm. medications. It was so much more complicated than I expected. Like there were patches I had to be on, and then there were like multiple different types of shots that had to be at the exact time. And like it would change over time, and I would go in every day for blood work, and they would check um, like my follicle count to see if I was responding to the medication. And I didn't know it at the time, but they told me like kind of at the end that I was on the highest dose medication they could give and my body just wasn't responding. So we did that for a couple months. 
couldn't get any follicles. And then finally we were like, okay, we've got follicles growing. And this was, um, I, it was early December. Cause I remember I was doing shots over Thanksgiving in Pinehurst. And so we go in for an egg retrieval and I think we had had five follicles and which like was high for us. Like we had only seen like one or two. Um, so like this whole process, like I found out in July that I had ovarian failure and then it was December that we were doing the retrieval. So that's like a pretty fast, like it felt long at the time, but like, that's really a pretty fast. If you've been through infertility, like ours was unique because we had not been trying. And that's why people were like, well, how long did you try? And I'm like, like, we didn't (laughs) like, we, we never tried naturally. Like it was just because I asked like, yeah. And so that would be like a really big takeaway is like, you have to be, proactive because your doctors are not going to offer it. Um, so we go in for the egg retrieval and I remember being like really freaked out by the IV. I didn't want it in my hand. It just like, I think it's cause I had an IV in my hand when I was like eight and it was like still traumatic, like gross me out. Trauma, yeah. Yeah. So, um, they put me under and I, I mean, you're like completely out. I, and they do the retrieval and Tommy was sitting out there. Like they had this big window where he could sit and watch the embryologist and they would like do the retrieval, like get one of them out. And then they actually make the embryo like in the lab, like, oh, wow. like, cause they had Tommy's sample. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Tommy's brown bag sample that he dropped yeah. off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause you have to drop that off at a certain time. And like, you can yeah. tell them walking in with their like lunch bags. It's hilarious yeah. so, for the wives. Anyway, the guys are mortified. I'm like, you're mortified. Go yeah. stick yeah. your legs in some stirrups, buddy. Like that's right. totally yeah. mortified. <laughs> Look what anyway, I have to do nothing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So like they're actually making the embryo on the spot, which was really cool. Wow. Um, and so he can watch and like, they didn't really react. Like, so they brought out one, made the embryo, nothing brought out one, made the embryo, nothing. Then they brought out another one, made the embryo and the guy turned or the, it was a woman. She turned to Tommy and she goes, so like we knew we had a good embryo and like, and of course I didn't know any of this. Like I'm out of it. You're out. Yeah. So, um, they only, I had five follicles, only three of them had eggs. Um, and then only one was viable. Mm. So it was, like we were happy we got one, but also like that's all we got. Okay. Yeah. Just one, and you're not guaranteed that it's gonna work when you transfer it. So I come out, um, the first thing I say is can I cuss? Yes. <laughs> yeah. The first thing I say when I come out is that propofol's good shit. <laughs> the, the, the anesthesia drug yeah. gave me. And I was like, can I get more? Can I get <laughs> for more anesthesia? And my husband's like, oh my God. And then they're like, okay, That's well, we funny. need you to eat something. And I was not even gluten-free, but they hand me pretzels. And I'm like, are these gluten-free? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and then they're like, we need you to drink some um, Sprite. Because they, like, they were trying to get sugar at me. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'll have a coffee. And then, no, you need to like, let's go ahead and have the Sprite. Yes, black coffee, please. And they're like, okay, here's some black coffee. And I'm like drinking the Sprite. Um, And then I have no idea what I said to my mom, but I remember I called my mom when I left. Uh, And I have no idea what I said, but I remember 
later that day being like, wow, I can't believe I said that to my mom. So I said something wildly inappropriate to my mom. <laughs> Literally no idea what it was other than I still to this day like, bad, like, oh, I said bad. So Becky, if you're listening, Terry yeah. didn't know what she was saying. Yes. Hopefully my I mom has forgotten this well because I'm like, yeah. what did I say? Um, and so I would say like if anyone who's going through it or like they're about to start it, like in my experience leading up to the shots or leading up to the egg retrieval, was not that bad. Like the shots were uncomfortable. Um, I was a little nauseous and I, like, I was on the really highest dose. Um, I was never tremendously uncomfortable because my body didn't respond to the medication. So if you're feeling really uncomfortable, you're super bloated, your doctor's telling you not to work out, like that's a good sign because that means your body's responding. Like they don't want you to have ovarian torsion. So if your ovaries get too big, cause I was a big runner, um, they can actually flip. Like if there's too much impact and my doctor never told me, cause like I would ask every point, like, am I still good to run? He's like, yep, you're good. And I didn't know at the time, like why he was saying that. But if you feel like trash during the shots, like that's a good sign. So like just shift your mindset that like, <laughs> this is good because I didn't. And that's because it wasn't working. Um, but I felt, and this is what I think a lot of people don't talk about is I felt awful after the, the retrieval. And I actually think that's pretty common because a lot of women had told me like, yeah, I wish I'd known that I was going to feel this bad. Um, thankfully at that point I was working for myself. I had quit my job earlier that year. And so I was working for myself, like, cause they had told me they're like, yeah, maybe take like half a day off or something. No way. Oh, like well, yeah. take a couple, like I was, I was exhausted from the, the good shit propofol. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just remember, like, I had pain. Like, I can't remember exactly what was wrong. I should have written it down, but I just remember I felt awful for days. Um, so if you're going through it, be prepared that it's going to be less. I, it's not going to be as fast for recovery, likely, as you might think. Um, mm-hmm. I was super bloated afterwards, um, just, like, stayed in pajamas, which is not my MO. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, they froze the embryo, like the embryo we got, they froze. They said it was perfect. They're like, it's exactly the rating you want. Okay. And then they called me the next week and they're like, Dr. Yelson Kaya wants to start another round, um, of, um, treatments to try to get more eggs out. He's like, we want to have at least five banked. Um, and the day that I had started my first shot was also the day we had to put my dog down. So like Maisie oh, had died oh and then yeah, we started treatments cool. and I was just like, I just need a break. And they're like, we really don't recommend it in your case. Like we just, we really need you to go into another round. I was like, okay. So like we started the, the medication again. And after two days I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Like I just, I need a break. Like I just do. Yeah. Um, and Tommy was supportive. He was the same way. He's like, we just need a breather. Like it's been horrific for six months. We were not prepared for this. Like that, yeah. we just need a breather. So like, I'm like, let me just take one month off. Like I understand you don't recommend it, but let me take one month off. And they're like, okay. Um, so we took a month off and they told me, they're like, well, call me, call us when you get your period. I was like, okay. So I don't get my period. I don't get my period. They call me. They're like, have you gotten your period? And I was like, no, I've not got my period. And they're like, okay, like, come, let's get an additional medication. And you, cause they want you to start your beard to like, so you can restart your cycle mm-hmm. basically and like kind of get it back to normal so they can start tracking it more. So I kind of like strip everything. 
Um, so I do that, still don't get my period. And then in early January, I get in Tommy's car and I'm like, you have a gas leak. Like your car smells so bad. Like you have gas in your car. And he's like, no, I don't like my car. <laughs> And then I come inside and I open the trash and I almost threw up. And I was like, I'm super <laughs> nauseous. Like my smell is crazy. And I still hadn't gotten my period. And I took a pregnancy test and it said that I was pregnant. <gasps> and Whoa. Like I came out and like we were like laughing again. We we're like being so cavalier what? about yeah. this. I'm like, I'm just going to take a pregnancy test. Like it's impossible for me to get pregnant. But haha, you know, like let's just do the experiment. And I walk out, and I'm like, I think I'm pregnant. And Tommy goes, are you serious? I'm like, no. He's like, but yes. He's like, well, are you sure? I'm like, no, I'm not sure, but, like, I'm serious. It's positive. Says, yeah. Like, I don't. He's like, well, let's call the doctor. And I call him, and they're like, this can happen. Like, the medication can linger in your system, give you false positives. Like, you're probably not pregnant, so just cool down. Especially because yeah. I hadn't got my period again. My cycle not normalized. Um so then a week later, I was throwing up and I got another positive pregnancy test and I called him I was like, I really think I'm pregnant. Hmm. They're like, honey, like you're probably not, but like, let's come in and we'll do a vaginal ultrasound. And they were like, oh my gosh, you are pregnant. Like, oh, wow. I was pregnant. And they said that they'd never seen that before where somebody was like my levels of AMH Right. gets pregnant without having a period after their retrieval. Wow. And yeah. I have no scientific background, literally none. My thought is <laughs> because my body didn't respond to the medication, I'm like, did they miss an egg that was just so slow growing that like it wasn't showing yet that was still in there? Like is that? Yeah, because like, there had to I be an pregnant? egg there. Like, yeah. The, yeah. There had to be an egg there. Like, I have right. no idea. And they were just like, this is crazy. We've never seen this. So um, people ask if Thomas was conceived naturally. And I'm like, sort of? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. Like, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, we had sex and that's how I got pregnant. But, like, there was a little support in there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Other just, stuff going on. It was very bizarre. <laughs> so then we couldn't do another round of egg retrievals. Um, oh, yeah, because yeah, you're pregnant. But also oh, wow. kind of like. yeah. Because I was pregnant. But also, like, being pregnant is good because, like, you're obviously not shedding eggs when you're pregnant. Mm. So it kind of, like, stuck Saving all that. your eggs. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, again, it was, like, another, like, gut feeling of, like, we should not do another round. And if we'd done another round, like, we wouldn't have had Thomas. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was just, like, these series of, like, miracles <laughs> that, like, I happened to ask for testing when, like, I didn't know anything. We hadn't even tried. I happened to get into, or a golf buddy happened to refer me to his wife who happened to be best friends with this doctor, um, that we got one embryo out. Like that was a miracle in mm -hmm. itself. And then I get pregnant, like when I shouldn't have been able to get pregnant. And they told me, like, it's not that you can't get pregnant and conceive. Um, it's just that your odds are really, really low. low. Like, yeah. um, so then I had Thomas and he's the most beautiful, perfect child, except he's absolutely insane and doesn't sleep. So. <laughs> he's so cute. Yeah. He's, other than yeah. that, he's great. <laughs> other than that, he's great. No, I'm like, I really, like for, for, for someone who didn't think that they wanted kids to like how obsessed I am with him, it's like both extremes. Like I'm, right. I'm yeah. a psycho parent. So um, fun. No, I love it. You awesome. share the funnest pictures and he, he yeah, seems he's to have a really cute personality. Yeah. <laughs> how old is he now? He just turned Two? three. 
Oh, three. Okay. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. So we had decided, <sighs> when was it? January. So last December, we decided we wanted to try to use the embryo in January. So I called the doctor in November and they were like, okay, well call us when you get your cycle in December. So I did, cause they wanted to start tracking my cycle. And then they said, call us when you get your cycle in January and we'll bring you in. So I go in in January, they do my blood work and they're like, okay, great. Like we want to do, because you only have one, we want to make sure that the conditions are perfect. They wanted to test my endometrium lining to make sure that it was receptive for implantation. Mm. And so you basically go through the whole process of shots before you're going to do a transfer, but you don't actually transfer and they take a biopsy and send it off. Um, and then charge you a lot of money <laughs> to test it. <laughs> and, um, they're like, okay, great. Looks good. Let's your lining's not as thick as we'd want it. Like they want like an, I think it was like eight to 15 millimeter lining, eight to 12. And mine was like 6.5 or something. Um, and they're like, it's not as thick as we want, but we'll just bump up your medication next time. So we do like do another round of medication. Um, planning to transfer in February. And like, at this point I'm like planning my life around it. I've canceled Botox. Like I've done all <laughs> the things like I'm transferring in February. Um, and I get every appointment that are like, okay, like your lining's looking good. It's not quite where we want it. Let's give it a couple more days. Okay. It's not quite where we want it. Let's give it a couple more days. And then it's like, okay, you're like, your lining shed. Like you never got, it was never thick enough. So like the next month, I think the thickest they got it was five. So then they try a different protocol. So then I'm on a different set of shots. Um, and I went from like, I think it was supposed to be, I don't know, a couple, a couple hundred dollars for like, it's not that expensive to do the, the transfer medication. Um, so then they switched me to a medication. It was like thousands of dollars oh every round. Um, and I, and I wish I'd connected the dots, but they had me on the same medication they were doing for the egg retrieval that my body didn't respond to. And if I'd connected those dots, I would have been like, this didn't work before. Like, why are we going to do this now? But like, I just, I was so focused on like the day to day. Um, and I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. And then, so we do that and like my lining never got past a four. And so then we try another month. Like, so this goes on for four or five months. In the meantime, I still have never seen the doctor. Like, not once versus the first go around. Like I met with him at every single appointment. Um, and I know the practice had grown a ton. I also know like egg retrieval is a lot more profitable than egg transfer Mm because it's more complicated. And so I don't know, like if I think he certainly was busier, I'm sure I also wasn't as profitable, but like we'd been trying all these different protocols for five months at this point. And they wanted to do, um, uterine PRP. So like you've probably heard of PRP, like platelet rich plasma, where they like draw your blood out, spin it and inject it. They Mm -hmm. use it a lot for injuries. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to do that in my uterus. And it's not like super invasive, but I was like, before we do this, I want to talk to the doctor. Like I just, I want to talk to him because I don't think anybody is looking at my treatment holistically. I think they're looking at like each week's piece of information and I want somebody mm. to look at it all together piece, at once because yeah. that had never <laughs> happened. And I was like, my thought, like my gut instinct was they're treating my cycle as if it's a standard length 
cycle and I knew that I had a 45 day cycle. Like it was really, really long because I was perimenopausal or I, so I thought, I mean, I didn't know, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm perimenopausal. Like I, before I had Thomas even. So I finally told, and I, I emailed them, I called them and they're like, um, we're happy to communicate for you. Like, what do you want to tell him? And I'm like, I just want to talk to this freaking doctor. Like it was crazy. And it wasn't until I went on my Instagram and I never like said what the practice was. People knew because I'd posted a picture of him. I don't have like that big of a following, but like locally I do. And I was like, I can't talk to my fertility doctor. Like I don't know what to do. And then, um, and then I got a phone call the next day. And so I'm like, somebody there must have like worked there or I don't know. And it's like, that's so pitiful that that's what it took. And I don't know if it was. To talk to your own doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's what it was. Like, total coincidence. Like, again, like, I don't have that big of a following. Like, I'm not that influential. But if that's what it took was me, like, talking about it online, like, what if somebody doesn't have a following? Like, how do they get to talk to the doctor? Like, anyway, that's a right. whole tangent. I was yeah. really yeah. Um, yeah. So he called me. And I, I actually think he's a really, really, really good person. Like, I think he really cares. I don't think that they were getting the information to him that I really wanted to talk. I don't. Mm. I think that the gatekeeper, which whom I don't really like, like nobody likes her. Um, <laughs> I think the nurse coordinator just never even told him. Right. They're just Anyways. like, let's get you through here and do what you need to do today. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like she mm. had horrible bedside manner. Um, no empathy. So he calls me um, on a Saturday. He had just done an egg retrieval. So he was at the clinic and he pulls up my chart and he's like, oh, wow, this is pretty bad. And I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, you've been trying for six months to get your lining thick enough? I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> nobody's told you? And I think that they were just giving him, like, the results from each attempt. Mm. And, um, and so I talked to him, like, I'm just, like, am I going to be able to get pregnant? Like, am I going to be able to do a transfer? And Because I was, I was getting worried that, like, we would just never get it thick enough because I couldn't transfer if it wasn't thick enough, cause it wouldn't stick. And he's like, I've never had a problem getting someone's lining thick enough. So that was encouraging. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, before we do PRP, I'm like, can we, can I just do a natural cycle? Like just cause a couple people um, on my blog were like, well, why don't you do a natural cycle and just see if your body does better on its own? Like maybe it does better without medication. And, um, cause we had never measured it without medication. We just always jumped in and I asked him, I was like, well, why do we, why do we do the medication. Like, why don't we try a natural cycle? He's like, well, we don't because it works for 99% of people. He's like, you're just the 1% that like, this is not working for you. Um, he's like, but yeah, we can do, we can do a natural cycle. He's like, it's just going to delay everything, but if it doesn't work, he's like, but we can do it. Um, and the, like all the nurses have been telling me, no, 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 don't do natural cycle medication. Like anyway, but he was very supportive. Like I felt so much better after that conversation. I actually recorded it. Um, just so like oh, wow. I could remember everything, but he was really supportive. He was like, this is this is pretty bad that like your lining won't get thick enough. Um, cause the thickest we'd ever gotten it after the initial month, which was when I had been on medication the least amount of time, it kept getting thinner every single month. And he was like, are you perimenopausal? And I'm like, I might be like my cycle length is 45 days. He's like, Oh yeah. Like they really should have been doing your medication differently. And it was just like, it was so mm-hmm. frustrating that like, she's like brilliant. taking care of that months before if you, right. you would have like, we should have had this him, yeah. conversation initially. Like, and so I think mm-hmm. if anybody else is going through it, like I would say your gut instincts are really good. And the stuff that you think matters probably does. And I was mm-hmm. just like, Oh, they know what they're doing. And I should have been like, 
I have a 45 day cycle. I don't respond to this medication. Like, and just tell them everything I know because to them, I'm just a number versus like, Mm. nobody cares about my success more than me. Um, so like just really advocating from the beginning, I think was helpful. So he was supportive. He's like, yep, let's take a month off. Um, when you start your period, call us, we'll bring you in for like initial measuring. So we do that. We cancel the PRP. We go out of town. We go up to Boo in the mountains. Um, I have an appointment on Monday to get measured. Um, cause like started my cycle and they're like, okay, you're going to come in. I don't know. It was like 10 days later or something. So I go in Monday and like, I'm chit chatting with the nurse cause like they're doing a, um, a vaginal ultrasound and they, they have a really hard time finding my ovaries because like one of them's just like quit. Like she's like disappeared. And so they're like trying to find the ovaries and then she goes to measure my lining and I'm just like talking away and she goes, Oh my gosh, Terry Lynn, look at the screen. And I look and my lining was seven again. Ooh, like we were wow. back to seven and she was like, Holy crap. Like, wow. um, I was like, does this mean we can transfer? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, let me go talk to Dr. Y. So she leaves, and this was like when it really hit me that like our case had been really difficult for a transfer. Is three other nurses came in and they were crying. They're like, we're so happy for you! Like it finally happened because he said that they wanted Aww. to do a transfer. So we did a transfer um, after that. I think it was like a couple days later, but um, and then it's like you have to wait and hope that it works, and because yeah. we only had one, one, yeah. And um, I was actually in Utah when I did like my second confirmation test to find Uh out. It's like, they called me initially and they're like, okay, it looks good. Like, looks like it's stuck. Your HCG is up, but we need another one to show that it's still increasing. And I was, I'd go get blood work done when I was in Utah and I hadn't told anybody. Um, so I'd go get blood work done when I was in Utah and they called me that night and they're like, yep, like you're officially pregnant. Like you are. Um, so then I got to tell my family that I was two seconds pregnant in Utah. Um, So that (laughs) was kind of fun. Um, and now I'm so 27, 28 weeks along. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's so fun. Wow. That was oh, a journey. I know. <laughs> Sorry. Like, no, <laughs> no, I'm no, glad. It's super interesting. Yeah. I have a family member trying to get pregnant right now. So it's just kind of interesting. Like, okay, I need to tell her this. I need to tell her that. Or yeah, if she got tested this or whatever, you know? Yeah. That initial test that you talked about, I think I've never heard of that either, but it's no. crazy. I mean, I actually did, it wasn't like in depth, but I had to do, um, a few rounds of, well, first it started with Clomid and then it went to Fermara and that's how I got my twins. But like, maybe that test could have been helpful. Cause I would have known, well, yeah. what, what are my eggs at? I mean, I was 31, but you know, I don't know. It's just such a simple piece of information that they should do. And it's helpful. Like information like you said, is it's always... not invasive. It's not expensive. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. cause then at least, you know, like how serious do we need to take that? Like what kind yeah. of measures should we go next? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it would well, probably change people's like, okay, I was going to wait till I was 35 to have kids, but now I'll have them now because yeah. the chances are higher or whatever. And egg right. retrieval, like you're saying, like, oh, maybe I want to do that sooner than later because my mm-hmm. levels are low and so. Well, and if yeah, we hadn't really... known, like, it's possible, like, they couldn't have gotten any out. Like, it's possible by the time, like, if we had just waited, I might not have had any. Like, yeah, we right. don't know. Um, right, Because right. they don't know when you run out. Like, it's not like a linear. Yeah. Right. Well, then if you wouldn't have been doing that medication, maybe you wouldn't have gotten Tommy as well, right? Because right. you kind of feel like that all led to that. Yeah. So interesting. And I think, like, it's important for people to remember, like, because I got a ton of questions about mine because I was blogging about every step of the way. I'm like, no one's experience is going to be the same. Like literally yeah, no one. And it can be helpful it. to connect to people because like you understand it. 
but like I don't want my story to scare people because my friend was doing an egg or, tra- or a, an egg tra- an embryo transfer at the same time and they did it the first month like they had no problems getting her lining mm. thick enough um so it and then there's other people that try for years and years and years before they can get an egg out like it's just I don't think it's um just just as it's not helpful to compare like where you are in your parenting to others, like, oh, I wish I'd had kids sooner, I wish I'd gotten married sooner, you know, whatever. Um, it's not helpful to compare fertility because it is so different. Like, everyone's is going to be different. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And what I love, though, about when someone like you is willing to share your story is sometimes just talking about it, it kind of like normalizes it because there's a lot of people that go through it. But I think it's one of those things that for the people that I know that have been through infertility and fertility struggles, they feel really alone. Cause it's like, you're not going to go around saying, well, we're trying, but it's not working. But once you're pregnant, everyone knows you're pregnant. And so yeah, I feel yeah, like the heartache, yeah. Getting some the- of the conversation, like, I don't know. I just feel like that, that would be a comforting thing. And also just to learn from you, you know, cause you've got a lot of good advice to give. So, yeah. And it's so interesting because it really is like, okay, so we're women. We're just supposed to have babies, but it doesn't work that way for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then you feel a little bit like, I don't know, shame or like whatever it is that you can't get pregnant. But then it's so cool. The medical advances that have happened in the last probably, you know, 50 years so that, that so many people are able to have a baby if they want a baby. But if you don't yeah, know these things early or even find the right doctor, I feel like, you know, my family member that's going through it had the same experience with you. Like just doctors that don't seem empathetic and don't seem very kind. And you're like, wait, you are in the field trying to help women get pregnant that can't. Mm-hmm. You should be so loving and patient and kind and understanding yeah. how hard it is, you know, yeah, because right. that's what you do. So yeah, maybe finding the right doctor is a good Yeah. It's thing almost as well like they become can... desensitized, like they see yeah. it so much. Maybe they, but like, yeah, that's not, I mean, that shouldn't be the, or, you know, where they go with it. But yeah. No. Well, and it's, um, it's been interesting as I've talked about it, like the number of people who've reached out and were like, thank mm. you for sharing. Or like, I mean, it was a blog follower who was like, ask about a natural cycle. Like, I, and there's mm. so much value in talking about it because I never mm-hmm. would have thought to ask for a natural cycle yeah. and that's how we got it thick enough. Um, but there's just so many people have been through it and it's, it's surprising to me that people don't talk about it. Um, I think just cause I'm so used to talking about like right. everything yeah. that it was easier for me. And, um, I didn't talk about it the first go around. Like I didn't talk about it when I was going through the egg retrieval, but like this go around, I'm like, if I can help one person, yeah, like that's worth it to me. Um, and it was, it was just really cool to connect with other people who'd gone through it or were going through it or like, and I still get messages that people want my input and yeah. Right. And I do think, like you said, no one is the same and there's so many different ways to get pregnant and medications that you need or the process you need to go through. So the more stories you hear, the more experiences that you can take in, then maybe you can go to your doctor with, we haven't gone down this path yet. Should we try this? You know, just to see Mm -hmm. because everybody's so different. I think getting comfortable doing that, like I felt like, and not that I didn't trust them, but I think I felt like I couldn't question what they were doing because they do this so much. But I really do think that like questioning and pushing and asking for more information and waiting, like all the, like when I got pregnant with Thomas, it's because I said no. And Mm -hmm. when we got to do a transfer, it's because I said no. It was yeah, like, that's true. they asked me to do something and I said, no. And that's when I had success. And so I would tell people, I'm like, just 
you have to listen to your gut of like, if it doesn't feel right, like say no, like they're humans too. Like I think sometimes people, like my friend asked me, um, she's like, how did you even know that like you could tell your doctor no? And I'm like, they're not God. Like they're not like the law. (laughs) Like you can tell them no, they work for you. Like, um, so I think that that is a really good takeaway is, uh, just like questioning things. Yeah. Is really for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Things. Yeah. Especially with medical things, I think, cause like you said in that, like you had your intuition, you talked about following your intuition and it's something I was just thinking about. That's cool that that kind of relates to like your whole story, even where you started as you're talking with us about, you know, when you were younger and, and kind of questioning your faith that you're brought up in and then kind of your marriage. And, but what I think so admirable about you is you like take the step to go, <laughs> you know, to kind of do the hard thing. Like, well, I'm going to drink coffee because it doesn't <laughs> right. seem wrong to me. Yeah. yeah. Cause that, that doesn't seem wrong to me. I'm going to follow my intuition. You know I mean? That's what you felt was right for you. And then I'm going to question my doctors. Anyway, I just admire that personality trait. Like that's something I want to work on a little bit more is just being a little more bold in my actions. And I actually think, yeah, you've always just been that kind of person to me. Like you're just smart and you're capable and you're willing to stand up for yourself. And I think that's super cool. So yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that's been a lot of transitions because I didn't know about your first marriage and divorce mm-hmm. and that's just hard that's in a itself. Huge, yeah. It's, and I wonder, yeah. yeah I, anyway, but that's a huge part of your story. Of course, even though it was a long time ago, it's still. Right. And it was wrapped yeah. in your kind of faith transition because yeah, it's kind so of they happened at the same a result time. of that. Yeah. yeah in yeah. a way. It's so funny because your husband's the one that said, I won't stay with you if you're in, but you're the one that's like, okay, I'm out of the marriage then. Yeah. But I think that's kind of like, if someone gives you that kind of ultimatum, it's like, wait, if you don't love me for me then why would I stay? Yeah. yeah. Well, and it sounds like there was other things too, obviously, but yeah, that yeah. was kind of a catalyst probably. And you know, well, and then he uh, yeah. left the church afterwards. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that's funny. It was, like, it was good though. Like it's good that it happened that way because yeah. like it got me out and like, I really needed to get out. So yeah, yeah. The things happen how they're supposed to, even if you don't like the way that it happens. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's a hard way to get there. You can't see it till after the fact, like, Oh, okay. That, it's definitely worth the hard times to get where you are today with your new spouse and yeah, your, yeah. you know, kids and stuff. So yeah, totally. So, um, I was going to ask a little bit more about your faith journey since we kind of, you know, circle back to the faith stuff. Yeah. Where are you at now with just that, that side of things? Um, I think I always craved like, cause there's a lot of comfort in a Mormon church, you know, like, especially yeah. when you move and you don't know anybody, like you have a built-in community. Yeah, so fast. That you community, go to church and you yes. have a community. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's like the consistency of knowing it's the same at your ward as it is in Rome, you know, like there's yeah, comfort. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Tommy and I, and I, I church topped a lot for years until I met Tommy. And then he was going to a church, um, in a town by Winston and we started going there. Um, and I really, really liked it. The pastor there actually married us. And then we just had a hard time getting plugged in because it was about 20 minutes from where we lived, which here, not in Utah, obviously, but like my brother drives 30 minutes to his ward. It's fine. But here Mm. I was like, I don't live by any of these people like driving 20 minutes to church. It's like a whole, like, like in Winston, it's like you never drive to Kernersville. You never drive to Greensboro. Like you just don't. It's really weird. Versus like (laughs) I drive an hour in Salt Lake and not think about it. Anyway, so we just really struggled to get involved in that church and we didn't know anybody. And so we tried to find a different church and there was this, um, when I was living downtown, there was this church that had 
started, which like the way churches operate outside of the Mormon church is still so weird to me that like you can just pick a different church and go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like you choose if you like, like it or pastor, not. I like this pastor better. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going yeah. To, yeah. It's very yeah. odd um, if, with our background. But yeah. Yeah. I remember meeting these people and I was, I felt, it felt right. Versus mm-hmm. like all these other churches that I'd gone to. I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like something's off. Like it just doesn't feel comfortable. Something just felt wrong. And I met these people and they gave me a flyer. And this two years goes by and we're trying to find another church. And I still had that flyer in my Bible. And I was like, well, why don't we try going to two cities? And they had moved buildings by then. Like they were just doing like, um, like they were called a church plant. And they were actually just hosting services out of somebody else's church. Um, and they had their own building by now. So we went to that church and the first service we went to, I leaned over to Tommy and I said, I love this place. Like it mm-hmm. just very much felt right. And I think what's really good for somebody like coming out of Mormonism in particular is it's really easy to get things confused. Like I think a lot of people think that Mormons don't study the Bible and I've actually read the Bible more times than most people that go to my church <laughs> and mm-hmm. And, but it, it's hard to get, it can be easy to get the Bible and the Book of Mormon mixed up or mm-hmm. and not mixed up, but like, you just don't know, like, is that a intertwined? Bible? They're almost the same. Yeah. Yes, intertwined. Yeah, is that yeah. story from the Bible or the Book of Mormon? Yeah. Well, and they exactly. like reference each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I say that to Tommy all the time. I'm like, is that in the Bible or the Book of Mormon? And <laughs> he didn't grow this, up LDS, right? No. Oh yeah. Not. Yeah. Okay. I thought he's not LDS. He grew up there. That was one part of your story too, that, so he's from North Carolina, right? Or yeah, that he's area. He's from a town okay. called Boone. It's like an hour and a half away from us. Um, okay in the mountains. And even before I met him, I loved Boone because it kind of reminded me of Park City a little bit, like before Mm. Park City was bougie. Um, Yeah. (laughs) uh, So we have a place up there now in the mountains, which is really nice. But the church that we go to now is, it's so nice because it's very um, straightforward. Like I tell people, like a lot of like my faith struggles, I feel like I'm getting mud out of a rug all the time. And it's really hard to get mud out of a rug that's been like ingrained in there for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And it's just like they pick a book of the Bible and they just walk through it. Like they read through the Bible and analyze and talk about it. And um, I think that kind of simplicity is really good for me. Like I think a lot of churches go deep into like, I don't know, like, I feel like Mormons are obsessed with like Isaiah and let's get into this deep theology. And yeah, it's like, no, let's just like yeah. focus on like the basics of Christianity and like what the Bible actually preaches. And our pastor's young. He's our age. We love him. Like he's, we've become good friends with them. And then we got involved in a community group, which I didn't know what that was when I moved here. Um, but it's like a group of couples that we meet with every single week. And we both volunteer in the kids ministry and no one has concerns there that I drink coffee um, <laughs> and hand out coffee to the volunteers. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. Usually the church just yeah. hand out coffee. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny, like they don't, the, I was explaining somebody callings the other day because like, we have a oh. really big shortage and I'm like, maybe they need to start doing callings in the kids' Yeah, <laughs> just assignments. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're doing. Um, and, and now make like, them feel we guilty actually... if they refuse. <laughs> exactly. You can't say no. Everyone's yeah, depending yeah, on no you. Say no. Let's, no, let's so operate off. off guilt and pressure and high performance. <laughs> yeah. Therapy. Um, but now, like, we're actually our, I mean, it's horrible how it came about, but our community group leader, who was really influential in my life, um, just like he was such a strong Christian and just really helped me talk. Like, there were a lot of things I'd never talked about before, like about my divorce and um, about leaving Mormonism. I'd never talked about them. And Andy made me feel comfortable talking about them in our group. Um, and then Andy actually died a couple months ago. Um, oh. 
while running. He's 38, oh, just died. Oh. Um, and so that was really hard because so he was a really big part of my faith and just like getting comfortable talking about these things that like, there's some serious trauma from like leaving the Mormon church that I didn't realize. And I had never talked about it until Andy made me feel comfortable in that group. Mm. And so we're still in that group um, with Andy's wife. I love her. She, like, she was a big part of that too. Um, and just helping me feel like I could say anything and that I could talk through anything. And it's not always going to make sense because they don't understand Mormonism. Um, but now we're the community group leaders. Um, oh, cool. Mostly because I think like Mormons are really good at just like stepping in when there's a gap. And like, I just jumped mm-hmm. in and I was like, someone's got to organize this. Like I'm good at organizing. Right. And um, then they asked us to be the community group leaders, which is just, uh, it's a little overwhelming because I do feel like I'm still so new in figuring out my new faith, um, that that's hard to, uh, like, I just don't think a lot of people have the complication of like trying to unwrap the Mormon aspect of it. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be good. This just happened a couple months ago. So we're figuring it out and I'm (laughs) I'm learning how to host and I'm just, that's cool. So is most of your family still in the LDS church? Like your parents and brothers? Except, um, I have one older brother, Roger. He left the church when he was like 15. Mm. Um, But everybody else is like super involved, like Mm. executive secretary, young men's president, Mm. you know, like the whole shebang. How did they handle like your kind of faith transition and being part of a different church? I think they were very confused in the beginning because like I was all in. Like Lindsay yeah, would tell like, you, wait, like I was happened? all yeah. in, oh, you know, for like, sure. yeah. um, mm-hmm. and so I think they were really confused about what happened and they just did not see the divorce coming. And then I'd left church and I was drinking coffee and I was drinking wine. And now I think it's a little more because of the internet. Like you can see mm-hmm. like, yes, there's Mormons that are not wearing their garments and there's Mormons that are drinking coffee. You know, like, I think that it's a little more normalized, but at the time, like Instagram didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it was really jarring and now like. I also think that a lot of people thought my family would like cut me off. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I feel like it's made us closer. Um, cause we have okay. conversations about church and like my mom will watch our sermons and, um, oh, cool. like I just, I feel like I have really good conversations with my family about faith that I didn't before. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're just happy that I'm happy and, um, yeah, they awesome. adore Tommy and they know that <laughs> our church is a good church and, um, yeah, it's yeah. really similar to, I mean, I wish I could go to South Mountain Community Church. I've gone there a couple times, mm-hmm. and I think it's such a great resource for people in Utah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people that when they leave, they kind of join that church. It's kind of one that yeah, fits. Yeah, I've been to it a yeah. couple times. Yeah, same. Yeah. I've been a couple times. Mm-hmm. I listen to their – I think it's especially helpful for people that have left the church. Um, yeah, Because they to, just speak to it. I'd like to take yeah. my kids just to experience something different, you know, yeah. like – yeah. And they have like music, they have a band and mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. that's what we have at our church. Like it, it feels oh, cool. the same, like a band mm-hmm. was really weird. Yeah. Um, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. But and I like great it people. I'm sure they would talk to you. Um, I'm friends yeah. with the wife of one of the pastors and they're oh, just, cool. they're just good people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear about your family. I mean, I love your parents so much. They're some <laughs> of the best people I know, like they're just a great people. family. Yeah. So that, that makes me happy to know that you know, you feel like if anything, it strengthened your relationship yeah, awesome. and the communication and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is lucky. Yeah, it yeah. is. Cause it can definitely be not that way. Yeah. For so. not, not for everybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, I loved your story because, well, I love that you, you know, got to live outside of Utah and then that experience, we lived in California for a while 
and it was kind of similar and it's just I think it's good like I love your time back here I love living here but I think it's so good if you can get away at some point in your life and live somewhere else because you do like you said I don't think the church teaches non-Mormons are bad but you don't realize how amazing they are yeah. right well and you like, think you, and you are kind truth. of taught like oh I'm so sad they don't have the church but then you're like wait they're actually really good happy people that contribute to society that like treat others with kindness and you can learn from them and I met some of the most amazing people outside of the church moving out of Utah that I am so grateful for that have mm-hmm. taught me and are good examples of just good people yeah and I don't know if I could have made all the transitions I made if I was still in Utah like yeah. I don't yeah I don't know if I ever would have left the church or my ex-husband or I don't, I don't yeah, know. Maybe true. I would have, but, but it, it, would it have was been certainly yeah. easier. Yeah, that's true. Being a little removed and a little more on your own where you probably felt like you could make your own decision, like follow yeah. that intuition. Like we talked about, I love how that has come to your, into your story so much is yeah. Listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, okay, I'm going to sneak out because it's my daughter's birthday and I'm taking her to birthday lunch. So I can't oh, be late. I got to check fun. her out of school. Yeah, go get <laughs> She's her. She's turning 10. <laughs> yeah. So I'll let Lindsay wrap, wrap up. up. But I've yeah. loved meeting you and talking with you. I loved your story. Thanks for sharing all the things. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for having me. I think it will be for helpful for people, hopefully, that have gone through some of the similar things and they can relate. And Yeah, for sure. So, mm-hmm. all right. I'll wait till she shuts the door just so it's not. Okay. All right. Well, is there anything else that stands out in your story that you wanted to touch on or any other like advice to listeners or anything like that, that before we wrap up? I don't know if there's anything in particular. I feel like I covered a lot of different topics. I loved it. I love it. You've had an interesting life. And like I said, like, I just love your overall, you know, follow your gut, follow your intuition and just go for the thing that it may feel uncomfortable in the moment, like call the doctor out, do this, do that. But yeah. those are the things I think that get us to the next step and get us through those transitions really. Cause otherwise if we, we can stay stuck, you know, so. Well, and one thing I I've always that. said that I think can be helpful. Like if you're, if you're in the middle of something like super, super hard, like a divorce mm-hmm. or a faith transition or infertility or whatever. And, um, I, I kind of picked this up from marathon training is like embrace the pain, like part of, and I would tell myself, like when I was running the Boston marathon, like, this is what you trained for. Like this hurts. This is uncomfortable. This is what you trained for. I want to get the most experience out of it. So I'm going to embrace this pain because that's part of the experience. Mm. And if I'm, I would tell myself when I was going through something hard, it's like, well, if I'm going to go through something hard, I'm going to learn as much as I can in the process. So if like during my divorce, I was like, I'm going to learn what it feels like to really, really hurt. And I'm going to learn what it feels like to be really, really mad and to be really, really scared and figure out how I respond to that. And I, I go back to that a lot. Um, and thankfully, like I'm not going through anything really traumatic right now. Like stuff will always happen, but it's like, if you're going to be going through something hard anyway, how can you shift it so that you get the most out of it? And even if it's a negative feeling, like let yourself like be really, really, really sad and like be really, really scared. Like, I think a lot of times it's like, get over it. You're going to be okay. Things work out. And like, it might not be like, it might not be. And that's okay. Like let yourself feel like how bad it is so that you can learn the best way to get through it. And, um, and just cope with future situations, if that makes sense. Um, and one other thing I want to touch upon, it's going to sound like I'm a drug addict. I'm like talking about propofol and now I'm about to talk about Zoloft, (laughs) but um, not at all. I had really, really bad postpartum anxiety with Thomas, Mm. which I did not expect. Um, 
and I ended up going on a low dose of Zoloft Mm. and that like changed my life. Um, like I felt like I went back to like who I was growing up, like really confident and trusted my intuition. And my therapist described it as like, if you have a snow globe and you're constantly shaking the snow globe, it can never settle to make decisions and see where you're at. And Zoloft Mm. helps settle the snow. Um, Mm. and it really helped give me clarity on a lot of things. And I, I mean, I hope I'm not on it forever, but it was a a game changer for me because I definitely had pretty bad, like I never struggled with really severe depression, thankfully, but I had really, really bad anxiety. Um, I'm sure because of everything I had gone through. Right. Um, Well, thing after, like kind of one thing after the next too. Yeah, you like know, it's one thing to since like... Since your 20s. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's one thing like to go through a divorce. It's one thing to go through infertility. It's one thing to go through leaving like a really high-performing religion. Like mm-hmm. I went through all of them and right. I don't... It's kind of like people have this shame or guilt around infertility. Like I don't want people to feel like they should have shame or guilt around getting medication because yeah, it really, really helped me. Um, mm-hmm. And... I resisted it for a long time and I wish I'd done it sooner. So, um, Mm. don't be afraid of that if your doctor suggests it. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so valuable. And yeah, I have like a lot of friends and family members who have, um, and I think it's just such a, I mean, that tool is there like, and especially when your body has been on alert for so long, it's like, (laughs) if you, if that's why the medication to help kind of right. Calm things. And, and if that's what it takes, that's awesome. That, that tool is there. I just am grateful for medicine. I mean, think about that. And then your infertility, like there's been so many things just in modern medicine that yeah. are blessings. So, well, and I think people worry it's going to change their personality. Um, and my husband was worried about that. He's like, I'm worried you're mm-hmm. going to not be yourself. And I feel more like myself since I oh, went on awesome. it. So those that's are my, so good. My two tips, lean into yeah. pain and get medication. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that in. Yeah. And I love just normalizing like mental health too. I mean, that is something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast and something that I think we all know, like we all have, you know, anxiety, like all those things, it's just there, like it's part of life. And so I mm-hmm. think tools just that can help, help us along the way are amazing. And if medication is one of them, then that's great. So yeah. thanks for bringing that up. I'm really glad that came up. Um, so I think part of your story that we didn't get to as much is your influencing, but I would still love to refer people to your blog and your Instagram account. And even if you want, do you want to give like a little overview of what you do online just so that listeners can go check it out? And I mean, we kind of talked about at the beginning, but maybe just a little more in depth. Yeah. Um, so I started blogging, like when I started a foodie stays fit, I was making a ton of recipes. I love to cook and I was documenting that. And I also started to run a lot and I was documenting that. So I really started growing as a, a running influencer. Um, and then when I decided I wanted to become an influencer full time, I started paying a lot more attention to the data and what got the most engagement and questions was what am I wearing and what's your skincare and what's your makeup? Mm. Um, and people cared about the running. Like I think they were interested in it, but they weren't expressing this outright interest and runners are like notoriously cheap. Like it's part (laughs) of the appeal of running. Um, there was more money to be made in fashion and beauty. And I mean, I'd been doing it for over a decade (laughs) or 15 years that like I had kind of felt like I had said a lot of what I'd wanted to say about running. And so I was ready for a shift there. 
And so, um, I started shifting my content to fashion and beauty to see how it would do. And the engagement just like went up, my revenue went up. Um, so then I felt really pigeonholed that I was like a foodie stays fit. And I'm like, I still blog about fitness and running a little bit, but I'm definitely not a food blogger. Like that's a whole other industry now. And so different. And I want nothing to do with recipes. <laughs> I hate yeah. it. Um, Try to cre- yeah, create and ugh, probably yeah. pictures of food and all kinds of stuff. It's yeah. so much work. Um, yeah. A lot of my close friends are food bloggers. And I'm like, more power mm. to you. I want nothing yeah. to do with it. You take that. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided, I'm like, well, if I'm going to do fashion and beauty, like I can't be a foodie stays fit. Um, and that was a big decision because, I mean, I'd, that'd been my brand for 10 years. And I, bet, I yeah. rebranded to Terry Lynn Adams, which... Um, just felt right. And mm. it also felt like I had also said when I got married, I'm like, well, I'm never going to change my last name. <laughs> like oh. All these things I said I was never going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like for our, I didn't change my last name for a long time, but for mm. our, um, I think it was our first or second wedding anniversary. I gave him a social security card where I changed my name. Oh, Terry cool. yeah. um, that's cute. And then I still, and he cried. <laughs> and, um, so he then seems I, like such a great guy. Oh my gosh. You'll need to meet him. He's the best. He's so fun. Yeah. I would love that. He's really fun. Um, so then I rebranded Terry Lynn Adams and I felt like it just gave me more flexibility long-term. Um, and it's really, uh, fashion. And then like, I love skincare. And so it's like a lot of like skincare education, makeup. Like I really like makeup, but I'm not like one of those hardcore makeup YouTube, like, you know, it's like, I look very natural, but like my top performing reel right now is just like my five minute makeup routine. I just watched it yesterday. You, <laughs> oh, it was up. Yeah. I don't know if it just popped up, but I loved it. And actually I'm like, okay, I got to dab the concealer there and a little under there. So I was literally <laughs> thinking of it today as I was getting ready. Like, okay, Terrence so says to do this. <laughs> well, I think so. I just like, I feel like a lot of women, especially moms, like want to feel put together and mm-hmm. they, like, they think they need to look a certain way like really over the top, like hair curled and eyelash extensions, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not realistic for most moms. Like I want to show people like you can still feel put together and it doesn't take a lot of time. Do it in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually all the time we have, right. Is five minutes. I mean, we can't sit at our, what, like our counter and make, do makeup for a half hour every day. That's just not realistic. No. Well, and I'm trying to like shortcut for people. So like rather than people having to order a bunch of stuff from Madewell, like, cause this is my job. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to order all the stuff from Madewell. I'm going to try it on. I'm going to tell you what's worth buying. Yes. I'm going to buy all the Amazon stuff. I'm going to try it on. I'm going to tell you what's worth buying. Cause people don't have time to do it. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to do it for you. Cause that's my job. That's um, exactly what I love about it and what you do. Yeah, exactly. Cause okay. even the other day I'm like, I'm going to click over and see what pants Terry Lynn recommends. Cause I need some new jeans really bad, but I haven't even had a chance to do that yet. But I, it's just nice to have somewhere to go rather than having to read through the millions of reviews mm-hmm. online and do that work yourself. Like it's so time consuming. So again, I love that, that you do that. And I think it is super <laughs> valuable. Yeah. It's um, really nice. I, just, I figure if I can make people's life a little bit easier through my job, yeah. like Great. Yeah. And you have such a cute style. Like I love it. Cause you have kind of the, you know, more, what's that like athleisure, like that kind of stuff But then you, you always look really put together and cute and a little, like you can be, look a little bit more professional or more casual. I don't, I feel like you have a really good range of, so basically anything that you could look for, you can go to Terry Lynn for, cause she has great recommendations <laughs> yeah. from fitness to like, if you want to look put together and dressed up that as well. And, and then also obviously the skincare and the makeup and everything. So I love it. And I'm so glad it's working out, you know, that you're able to do it full time now. Right. And you have a nanny, like it's really become your 
your job, right? I love it. Like, I really, really like working for myself. Um, yeah. I like, I really like strategy. And so I like being able to f- figure out like where we need to focus our efforts. Um, my nanny works three days a week. And then um, she's also started helping with my YouTube a little bit. Like I just launched a really janky YouTube channel and she's helping oh, me cool. with that. Um, and then I have nice. a full-time employee, Hannah, who is, she's incredible. Like Hannah is awesome. Um, I think I've seen her on your page. Like you yeah. maybe have done pictures with her or something. Mm-hmm. She looks super cute. And yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I love that's it. That's really cool. Well, I'm happy for you. It sounds, you. I mean, how neat to be able to just kind of like start your own thing and, and do it. Like you're doing the dream of, you know, you were so locked in with those busy, busy hours. And it sounds like it's not that you didn't like your job before, but you're like, you can have more flexibility and you're using your talents. Like you said, you're, mm-hmm. you know, a good organizer and you're, you're obviously creative. Like you do a really great job of everything that you do. So yeah, I just think you're awesome. You're so sweet. Thanks, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, this was so fun. So anyway, go check out Terry Lynn online. Um, what is your Instagram again? I'm trying it's to remember. It's just Terry Lynn Adams, T-E-R-I-L-Y-N right. Adams. Since you've rebranded. And then it's terrylynnadams.com mm-hmm. for online. And yep. yeah, I totally recommend it. So go check her out. And we'll link to your Instagram and your website on the show notes. So people like if you're listening, you can easily just go click over to Terry Lynn and follow her and check out her website and everything. But I'll send you a link um, for people to sign up for my Amazon finds. I do weekly Amazon finds that people oh, cool. love. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll send you a that. link so people can do that too. Oh yeah, Amazon's the best. It's Comes so funny. Quick. I like yeah. never really thought about it, and then I started realizing people loved the Amazon stuff. I was like, okay, like awesome. lean into Amazon. Okay, I don't even know that I'm. I'm surprised I'm not on that. So I'm gonna I'll have to sign to up. I'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. So cool. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I love just the diversity of the topics that we covered. And I feel like you have so much wisdom to share. And, and I feel honored that you took the time. So oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for having me. I was honored you yeah. asked. So I appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, it was great. And yeah, it was, I knew you would be an awesome interview. So I'm excited for people to listen. I think it'll be great. And it's just so fun to reconnect too. Like, I know it is really fun. I'm like, we need to get together yeah. in person. <laughs> oh, I would love to next time you're in Utah. Let's do lunch for sure. I mean, if you have the time, I know it's hard when you're traveling and you're balancing family, but let's oh, great. connect. I would love it. We always ask the wrap up question at the end of an interview, how you find beauty in life after going through the transitions that you've gone through. I think I lean into, um, everything will be different in six months Mm. and that helps you appreciate the current stage you're in, whether it's good or bad. Um, I had a boss tell me that once at work when I was really frustrated she's like, everything will be different in six months. And so when, um, I'm having like a, a hard day with Thomas or I'm having a hard day at work, I'm like, everything will be different in six months, which is good because this hard thing will pass and also helps you appreciate the current moment because with a three-year-old, everything's going to be different in six months and I'm going to miss this. Um, so I think just perspective of, um, it, it's not necessarily like appreciate the little things, but, but kind of like, kind of appreciate the stage you're in. Yeah. Yeah. Like appreciate the stage you're in. Um, and I think not taking things for granted. Like, I think that I just have a lot of perspective on, stuff that is really hard, that it makes me a little more patient with things that are still hard, but maybe not the hardest thing ever. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. That's beautiful. I've never actually heard that, but I'm like, okay, there's one I need to hang on my fridge. <laughs> That's a great saying. Yeah. How, how did you say it again? Everything will be different in six months. So mm-hmm. 
basically yeah. appreciate where you're at right now. Yeah. I'm okay. like, I'm so tired and my back hurts and I'm pregnant mm. and I'm 39, but everything's going to be different in six months and I'm not probably ever going to be pregnant again and I'm going to have a newborn. And so like, enjoy these little kicks and yeah. him stabbing me in the ribs. <laughs> yeah. And crazy. You'll have two. You'll have two in six months. Oh, I don't know so how people exciting. have more than one. <laughs> I know. We're barely hanging on. No, <laughs> We're getting out. day to day. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. No kids are so great, but yeah, it's busy. It's busy for sure. But all right. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, love talking with you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast, where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again And begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free Take a chance, I won't be wrong Now it's time to move along Now it's time